You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Rapoff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the sixth episode of the Bulldog Hour's second season. I am one of your hosts, Joe Mays, and sitting next to me, my co-host, Justin Raffoff. Yeah, it's uh, good to be back and uh, plenty plenty to talk about in football. Um, you know, Wilson football, a couple big weeks um, for different reasons, but um, you know, it's uh, good to be back for yet another episode this season. Yes, and once again... We do not have to talk about a loss. This is so much better than last year. We don't even have to really talk about a frustrating win as we did no. a couple weeks back yeah. because both victories were well-earned, deserved, uh, one big, one incredibly exciting, uh, really a little nerve-wracking. I'm just, sure a lot of a Bulldog bit. fans were a little anxious on Friday night. But it was a great game. But it was a, it was a solid game. Uh, Bulldogs earned the victory. And uh, we'll talk, obviously, about... That game, as well as the game prior to that, um, of course, we're referring to Lebanon two weeks ago, Mannheim Township, Friday night. And we will also preview the Bulldogs, can you believe this, final two regular season games. Kind of crazy. It goes fast. They host Hempfield for senior night this coming Friday, October 28th. And then they travel to Conestoga Valley on November 4th for the final game of the 2016 regular season in Pennsylvania high school football. So again, welcome to the Bulldog Hour. We'll be talking a lot tonight about pretty much what we've done the last few episodes, just recapping the past few games, previewing the next two. Uh, but this evening we're going to start a little bit differently and we're able to shoehorn our appreciation and affinity and love for Penn State football into a Wilson football show. And how are we able to do that? Well, a couple of our players made it to Happy Valley last night for what I hear was a pretty good game. Now, I I shouldn't say I hear. I I watched it the first half and the last few minutes, but that's nothing compared to being there. And, well, Grayson Klein, our junior quarterback, and Fode Jello, senior wide receiver and outside linebacker, they actually took it in on the field. Yeah. So they were there as Penn State football recruits, um, you know, the prospective players that get to watch the game. Well, they got to take part in that. And they posted on Twitter at 3 a.m. <laughs> that they were there and uh, had some pictures of them on the field after the victory over Ohio State, as well as with uh, one of the heroes of the game, uh, safety Marcus Allen, who blocked the punt, or excuse me, blocked the field goal right. that was then picked up by Grant Haley and returned for a touchdown to give Penn State the lead with like four and a half minutes to play. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Allen has been having a great season. Um, I think a couple weeks ago, it might have been the Minnesota game or the Maryland game. I think he had 20 tackles, something like that. Uh, some absurd number. Um, so he's been having a great year and came up with a huge play last night. Um, and it is cool that there's a connection to Wilson there that a couple of the guys got to take it in on the field. It, um, it was probably an amazing experience. And you mentioned to me right before we started recording that you believe a videographer or photographer from Penn Live. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't, I don't remember which one. It might have been Greg Pickle. Um, 
I think he was up there and he posted a video. Um, I think it was like nine minutes, like the end of the game and into and the carryover. The, yeah, the carryover celebration. And he was kind of showing around. He's a Penn State reporter. Um, and been so doing it for a while. He was like pointing out, he would put like a subtitle, like name when he saw like some of the crews. Now there's, it's there were over a hundred right? there. there. It was, and then, you know, there's thousands of people in the field at this point, but, um, Whenever someone would kind of like make eye contact with the camera, he would kind of put it on there. And at one point, it kind of uh, scanned by, and I was like, "That looked like Fode," but I, I wasn't, it you know, very well. Car. May have been. I was in the car today, not driving, but uh, I was like, "Oh well, maybe maybe that was him." I'll I'll probably find out later. And then I talked to you, and I find out it was. Yes, <laughs> probably was. I haven't seen the video myself, but I'm assuming that there's a good possibility that it was. But not to be outdone, not only were two of the Wilson Bulldog football players there, but my co-host Justin Raffoff also in attendance. Now you've yeah you've seen some bad Penn State games, but oh, you've yeah, seen I've some seen incredible some. Penn State games as well. Yeah. Now we can tie this to Wilson as well. Three years ago, whiteout hosting Michigan, four overtimes. Everyone remembers the Allen Robinson catch that set up the touchdown that would win the game. However, it was on a run that would win the game for Penn State in yeah. that fourth overtime. And who made the block to help spring? The key block was by Pat Zerby, setting the edge. Who was a senior on the fall 2008 team, which is you know arguably one of the best Wilson football teams to ever take the field, especially in, in modern era and the playoff era. And uh, he uh, he set it up, and uh, Penn State won that game against Michigan in four overtimes. And now, fast forward three years later, and here you are standing uh, with your wife after the game. Yeah, it was looking is, out at all the people on the Beaver Stadium this turf. Is, this is well after the game, for the record. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it, it was it was an exciting game. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, like you mentioned, I know on one of the other shows we do. Um, I don't, it feels like it was maybe a year ago. It probably was like two years ago, just because that's how it works when I'm trying to remember things from that show that we ranked our top five, uh, Penn State games. Yeah. And it's been a while. This morning I was thinking through, I'm like, where do I put this one? It's not, it's not number one. Like, um, it's up there though. It's definitely in the top five. It had had to bump one out. I don't know where. Um, but it had to, but the number one, just real quick, the number one being that Florida State. Right, Penn the three State, overtime Orange Bowl. Orange Bowl. Three yeah, the 2005 season, uh, right. 2006 this, Orange Bowl. This one is up there. This one is is climbing up, and um, maybe we'll kind of see where things go from here. You know, like there may be not just an instant read on this game, but kind of all right. Well, do they can they keep it going to Purdue this week, or do they look right, frustratingly right. bad against Purdue? Now, Who knows? Do you? feel a little bit better now that you didn't get to see the 2005 game in person in stadium well so last night like one in the morning i text my friends that i was up there with that time um and we joke all the time because we had offered we were offered two tickets but there were three of us so we just decided to kind of watch it together um and not leave one person by themselves so then we went none of us went to penn state actually we were just up there visiting friends um Wonder who that was. Yeah, I don't know, someone. <laughs> and then, uh, so I texted him. I was like, can't believe it's been 11 years, but we, uh, you know, I, I was there for this one. I made it in the stadium. And the reply from the guys was, 
oh my gosh, I can't believe that was 11 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That was the takeaway. Yeah. yeah. But they were both excited. They were excited for me. Great. Yeah. I mean, not to talk too much college football or Penn State centric, but you know, there was a Wilson connection there. So we wanted to put it out there, especially with it so fresh in our minds coming off the the huge victory of Penn State taking out number two Ohio State last night. So let's move back into Pennsylvania high school football and the Wilson Bulldogs week seven and week eight. Again, we mentioned were both victories. In week seven, Wilson traveled to Lebanon, a team that we mentioned on the previous show. They hadn't played in 17 years. In 1999 was the last time they played them. It had been 18 years since they played at Lebanon. The Cedars struggling a bit on the year. Their only victory, I believe, was over Ephrata early in the season. So a lot of people didn't think that they would put up much of a fight against the Bulldogs. And for, I'd say... 44 of the 48 minutes, it kind of was like that. Right. But there was a part but, in the end right. of the second quarter the key that... was it wasn't just the last four minutes. Like, that. that's where it kind of came into, into question. Like, the first 20 minutes or so, there was very little resistance. And then um, there was for about the last four minutes of the, of the, of the first half. And then, uh, you know, it's kind of mixed in there a little bit in the second half as well. But like you said, overall, um, there wasn't wasn't a ton there. But there are some, and this is what we had pretty much heard going in. There's some, there are a couple talented players. I obviously there's talented players, but there's a couple guys on that team that are that are really talented. Uh, it's just trying to get the rest of um, you know a team around them, which is a a point that they're struggling with a little bit right now. Yeah, not a but huge roster, not, no. not a ton of kids to, to and, work and with. Even though bumped, they're a larger school, and they've bumped up to section one this right, year, which yeah. is a tough transition anyway now they are 5a they're not 6a with the likes of wilson but uh still on the larger side but um very very much impressed with their underclassman quarterback uh zaki salesman uh he looked really good yeah um i think at a a lot of other schools he might transition to running back receiver um because he showed some issues that he has at quarterback especially um brian wright intercepted him in the red zone yeah um which was just it was just a bad throw but you know he's young he's very very talented um he could be interesting to watch him uh next year for sure uh but overall it was the bulldogs night they actually well they set a program record for points scored uh they put up 68 points uh now it wasn't a shutout uh, so the 68 point spread would, that you would have if there was a shutout, you know, not a, not a record there, but total points scored by the Bulldogs, 68, um, most ever, uh, eclipsing the the record set by the 2010 squad um, against Ephrata. They beat the um, Mount 63 to nothing on October 15th, 2010. That was the previous uh, most points scored in program history. So almost, almost six years to the day. Almost, yes. Uh, yeah, the game at Lebanon was on October 14th. Um, so basically six years later. And the 2016 squad can say that they have a, they already left a mark in the record book in terms of points scored. So 68 to 19, Wilson beat Lebanon. And we have a 90 second game recap to show you. And to go over just a few of the highlights, and we'll break it down after we look at that on who the individual top performers were and things like that. So let's take a look at the Wilson-Lebanon game recap. All right, so we're skipping over the first quarter altogether. Wilson was already up 14 nothing, but here we got a Connor Yurig to Justin Weller touchdown pass. That would happen a lot 
on the evening. Urig had four touchdowns on the night. Three of them went to Justin Weller. Now, uh, you're going to see another throw here by Connor Urig, the junior quarterback, and he hits, oh, Justin Weller once more. Again, there's his, there's the second that we're showing you again. He had three, uh, but the other guy that had a huge night was junior running back Iggy Reynoso. Here's a 58-yard touchdown run, one of four from him on the night as well. He rushed for 254 yards, uh, which is uh, it's, it's a huge number, and it bumped his uh, season stats up there. But fortunately for him, there's a guy by the name of Pete Gilmore that ran the ball at Wilson before who had uh, at least two 300-plus-yard games, so um, not eclipsing. Uh, any any records there or setting new records, but a great game from Iggy Reynoso going over 250 yards rushing and four touchdowns. As you see another run right up the middle, breaking some tackles and lunging into the end zone for a score, as you see me in the corner taking some pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. There's the recap of the Wilson-Lebanon game to give you an idea of some of the stats and what went down in Lebanon. So again, uh, you know, they they struggled a bit at the end of the second quarter. At the time, they had just basically invoked the mercy rule that would only takes effect in the in the second half. They're up thirty five to nothing, and they let Lebanon get back in and get some momentum. Gave up two easy scores, but you know, other than a breakdown, then to start the third quarter after Wilson went scored again to go up 42 to 13 they let Lebanon score on a 60 plus yard pass to now I mean I don't think anyone ever was like okay we're gonna blow this you know and they're gonna come back because we were still up by 20 plus points but you know that's the kind of things that I know the coaching staff you know talks about it's mental stuff it's focus you can't let that happen right I know some of uh, in talking to some of the coaches and reading what they had to say, you know, to some of the reporters afterwards, um, you know, when, when you lose that focus, you kind of get to that point where, like, oh, they got to 35 nothing. You know, uh, the starters know that they're probably not in then, you know, to start the second half. Well, next thing you know, Lebanon scores. Mercy Rule isn't going to be there to start the second half. And so you kind of have to regroup, um, kind of get that mindset just so that you don't end up having to play those guys uh, the full time. Um and not that you want to look ahead, but you know that, all right, well, if we could get these guys out in the in the second half, that would be beneficial because we have a huge game coming up the next week. Um, so even if we can get a guys a, a little bit more rest or a little less likely to get uh, nicked up or something, that that's a positive. Um, and so it didn't exactly go the way they would have they would have scripted it, but they were able to get the job done. Um, kind of looking back and uh, just trying to kind of put the game together. Like you said, probably 40 out of the 44 minutes, Wilson kind of executed the way they would want to. Yeah. Um, but the, f- the four minutes that they didn't, um, Lebanon had enough specifically in their quarterback. Yes, for to, sure. To make, to make Wilson uh, pay. And so you can see how against some teams, he's going to get a ton of yards because he got a ton of yards against Wilson. Now, some of that's, you know, due to circumstances of the game, but um, not all their games have been blowout losses. Uh, they've lost a few that were, you know, kind of back and forth, maybe lost by a couple scores or something like that. But he, against some of the teams that we see, other teams, he's he's definitely going to get some yards and some stats because um, he was he was definitely, um, you know, uh, 
a good piece that they have there, hopefully that they can build around a little bit uh, as they move forward. Speaking of stats, let's look over the, some of the team stati- statistics from Wilson's 68-19 to victory over the Lebanon Cedars. Uh, first downs, Wilson more than doubled them up, went 25-12. to Rushing yards, huge story. Wilson as a team rushed for 382. Um, Lebanon no slouch either, going over 100, primarily from the quarterback, uh, with 119. Passing yards, Wilson had just under 200 at 193. Ditto for Lebanon at 186. Total yards, Lebanon went over 300 against a, a, a Wilson defense. that it, Wilson is known for their defense, giving 300 yards to Lebanon. A little bit of a shock. They kept it to 19 points, uh, but Wilson nearly doubled them up, getting 575 yards of offense on the night. Uh, time of possession actually favored Lebanon. They had the ball more than Wilson did. When Wilson got the ball, they made it count and scored, what was it, eight eight touchdowns? Nine touchdowns? Yeah, I think yeah. Well, I, I think it was nine because you had four passes from Urig and four rushes from Reynoso. And actually, it was ten because there were two other running backs that scored, Abdul and Malachi. Yeah. So right. Wilson scored ten touchdowns in 22 and a half minutes of possession, 22 minutes, 37 seconds to Lebanon's 25, 23. Yeah. And when you look, Wilson had 22 and a half minutes of possession and had 25 first downs in the game. Yeah. Like that's, that's crazy. <laughs> Efficient. Yeah. <laughs> Bode well for conversions. Third downs. Wilson was five for six. Now that we've seen them struggle in the first few uh, weeks of the season, the first half of the season at times on third down, not against Lebanon three for five for six. They also were one of one on fourth down and maybe more importantly in the red zone, they were a perfect four of four. Now individual players mentioned a little bit of this during the highlight portion of the show, but Iggy Reynoso, 17 rushes for 254 yards and four touchdowns on the ground. Connor Yerg was nine of 11, very efficient for 193 yards and four touchdowns. He also had six rushes for 19 yards. And I mentioned Justin Weller, that his three touchdowns came on just four catches in which he accrued 92 yards. And one of them was a real nifty 30 plus yard run where he took the catch. It was just, you know, little like eight to 12 yards, but then he made a lot of shifty moves to go another 20 plus yards down the field for the touchdown. Uh, Brian Wright added another two catches for 62 yards and and a nice uh, touchdown. And he also picked off the pass that I mentioned on defense. And um, speaking defensively, uh, safety J.P. Schauber led the team with five tackles against Lebanon. So let's take a look at a few of the pictures from the evening that I took while I was there. Uh, the first one you can see on the left is Brian Wright's touchdown pass. And on the right, one of Iggy's four rushing touchdowns. We saw that in the video of him lunge into the uh, the end zone, and I pointed out that I was standing there. There's the proof. <laughs> so uh, pictures of Brian and Iggy scoring against Lebanon. Player of the game was tough. Um, may, you know, may, maybe not, but I mean, when when you have a quarterback that throws for nearly 200 yards and four touchdowns, you're thinking, oh, it's got to be him. Right. Or I mean, even a receiver, almost 100 receiving and three touchdowns. Well, he's got to have consideration too. But then you have a running back that goes for over 250 yards and four touchdowns. I'm pretty sure 99% out of 100 people asked would probably go with the running back. So why buck the trend? So the Bulldog Hour player of the game against Lebanon is junior running back outside linebacker Iggy Reynoso for his uh, Herculean effort against Lebanon. Uh, something we haven't seen uh, in, a, in a number of years of back going for that many yards. 
it's, it's been a few years since someone's eclipsed the 250 mark for Wilson, and Iggy got it done against the Cedars a couple weeks back. So for his efforts against Lebanon, Iggy Reynoso is our player of the game. Yeah, he uh, he had a great game, and uh, congrats to Iggy. Speaking of which, we got to talk with players and, for the first time in a while, some coaches following the victory over Lebanon. So we're going to cut to it now and take you to our interview. First up, we're going to hear from, well, Iggy Reynoso himself with fellow Wilson football player and a guy blocking for him, senior offensive tackle Isaiah Regal. Okay, joining us post-game now at Lebanon is junior running back Iggy Reynoso and senior offensive lineman and defensive end Isaiah Regal. 254 rushing yards tonight, Iggy. It's uh, it's not a, a Wilson record, but it's definitely up there in the record books. You gained that in just 17 carries, averaging nearly 15 yards a carry. What was the reason tonight that you were able to break some big ones? Um, well, first of all, my linemen, they were blocking great. And I was just feeling good. Except this guy, right? No. He's the weak <laughs> link, right? Yeah, 254 yards. He sent it to me after your last touchdown run, and I, I haven't seen a back do that in a long time. Uh, it's pretty impressive. Again, what what was it tonight, guys, that just had the offense clicking, both uh, passing, uh, rushing, and protecting? Uh, the way we definitely game plan that the coaches put us in a really good position as long as we executed to definitely push past this team and the defense that they run. All right, and uh, now you're six and one on the year, uh, gaining a little momentum with a few wins in a row. Uh, big, big one coming up this week with Mannheim Township. What, what's the atmosphere of practice going to be like when you know you have a big showdown leading up to a game that has a, a lot on the line? Uh, definitely intense. Definitely when you know you're going into big games, especially when it's two of the heads of the yellow coming in at it. Township has a really nice team this year. Good running quarterback, good running backs, good wideouts. Definitely tough defense. And, I mean, you just got to go. Everyone's on edge and tense. We want to go, and we got to do us at practice and get better this week. Definitely to compete with them. All right. Well, guys, I know you're freezing cold, and I don't have much else to say, but <laughs> great game tonight, and good luck next week. We'll talk to you back at Gursky. All right, so we just heard from Iggy Reynoso and Isaiah Regal. Next up, we grabbed the other guys that we considered for player of the game, and that is junior quarterback Connor Urig and senior wide receiver and cornerback Justin Weller. Those guys had a nice connection going against the Cedars, and we grabbed both of them to talk to them post-game after the big victory. All right, and welcome to post-game with the Bulldog Hour. Up first here is quarterback Connor Yerg and wide receiver Justin Weller. Guys, an offensive showcase tonight with you guys putting up 68 points, which is, in fact, a new Wilson football record. The previous record was 63, and you guys had a huge hand in it. Connor, you threw for 193 yards on 11 attempts, four touchdowns, the longest going 39 yards. And Justin Weller was a primary beneficiary of yours tonight, catching four passes for 92 yards and three scores. Now, this is, I think, the second time in a few weeks we've talked to both of you, but you really seem to develop quite a rapport. And is that just, you know, work during practice, game plan? What what call for such success tonight from the two of you? Jordan does his job. 
Alright, so in practice, Coach O has been really stressing a lot about sticking our cuts and getting open for our quarterbacks to make the reads easier. And it's out, it's really come in handy, well, not handy, but just in practice, going over and over and over. Even though it's like a, the smallest thing about running a route, it gets you the most open. And it makes it easier for him, and he gets me the ball, and that's the hardest part of the whole play. Now, Connor, 9 of 11, uh, you didn't get a lot of attempts, but you definitely made him count. Uh, supreme uh, completion percentage, great accuracy. Again, is this just... Yeah, advancing in the season or just, you know, the more reps you get, the better you get. Or is there something you saw in the defense tonight that just you knew where the receiver was going to be, you knew how to throw it? Well, each week I'm getting better with my progressions, who I'm throwing to. And then I had the backside, like, posts all day, so that's why I was throwing to it well. I just happened to be that guy. All right. Well, I know you guys are freezing cold, so I want to get out of here. But the last question is, uh, you know, you're now 6-1 and one after seven weeks. you got a big showdown. We get to go home to face Mannheim Township. Uh, what the atmosphere and practice going to be like this week? I honestly have no idea, but I'm, I take each week is the same. You've got to beat the team that's in front of you. We're going to be working really hard this week, so game plan for Mannheim. Yep. All right. Thanks, guys. Go get warm. All right, so we thank Jurg and Weller for taking some time after us in what turned out to be a little bit cooler night than I think some were expecting. Uh, the kids were ready to get to uh, the locker room, get changed, get on the bus, and grab some food, and get home. But we appreciate the four of them hanging out with us to talk a little bit about the victory. But we weren't done. We decided, you know, it's time to talk to the big man and get Coach Doms on the show once again. We hadn't sat down with him really since the summer uh, which we showed in uh, the first or second episode this year. So what better time to talk to him than, you know, when the offense set a few records? Yeah, we we kind of – we only kind of joke about, like, how we, we are kind of careful about when we try and ask for interviews here, um, especially with the coaches. Um, you know, we, we don't want to, like, step on anyone's toes. Um, but at the same time, if you're not going to ask after they put up 68 points – um, and win fairly convincingly, um, you're never going to ask. So this was, this was the one where, um, you know, Coach Thomas was more than willing to kind of give us an interview. So here we go. All right. Last interview of the night is with Wilson head coach, Doug Doms. Now, coach, this was the first time in nearly two decades that you played the Lebanon Cedars. What's it like to game plan for a team that you haven't seen in so long? It's it's easier now than it used to be because I think we had four or five game plans games on them. So, you know, the only thing you don't know is the coaches have certain coaches have certain tendencies that you pick up over the years and things like that. And uh, we don't know that, but you know, we get enough off the films that we're all right. Pretty impressive offensive performance this evening, putting up 68 points, which is a new program record. Uh, eclipsing the old record of 63. Unfortunately, I don't know off the top of my head what game that was. Uh, I don't know if you remember what the 63-pointer was. Maybe. It could have been effort yeah, a few years, 2011, yeah. possibly. Yeah. I know you came close in 2014 at Cedar Crest right. and also Conestoga Valley. Uh, was there something tonight that you expected to be able to unload this quickly in all aspects of the game? Because both passing and rushing were really clicking. Well, it's, it's very unusual for us to see a 5-2 anymore. It's kind of a defense that nobody runs, so it's the first time we saw it. But the it, with the new offenses are designed, that's why everybody's going away from 5-2 because of the wide-open offenses and everything. So 
you know, they kind of put them at a little bit of a disadvantage because they have four defensive backs on the field all the time, and they have to play man. And you know that, so you can kind of take advantage of some of those things. For people that wake up and just look at the box score, they're going to think that this game was complete and utter domination, which at points it seemed that way. Uh, but you're preaching always to the kids to get better. There's always mistakes to correct. If there's one thing you'd like them to take away, what's the biggest thing that you think they need to improve on? they got to stay focused. We got up 35 points, and then it was like all of a sudden we went brain dead, and we stopped executing uh, the game plan, and they started getting a couple of plays, and then we we just kept making the same mistakes. So we got to keep getting smarter. You know, we've got to be able to make adjustments on the field and, you know, don't play down, you know, which is what we did. We got up 35 and then thought, okay, let's go into half, 35 nothing, come out and have a running clock in the second half, you know, and get the young guys in, get the varsity out so we're fresh for next week. And then, you know, we gave them those three cube scores. Iggy Reynoso rushed for 254 yards, which is a pretty strong performance in, in Wilson history. I know it's not the tops, but it's up there. Is is his performance tonight a, more of dictation of the opponent or game plan, or is it he's starting to understand the Wilson way? He's starting. I mean, you know, it's part of the game plan, but he's he's really starting to understand that you can't just take the ball and bounce outside all the time. Though you got to go where the hole's going to be and the hole's going to open up when you get it. Is, it is or it isn't, but, it, you know, most of the time that's going to open up. When you get there, you might have to bounce your way through it, and, and that's what he was doing. He's getting better at being patient. About 15 minutes ago, everyone thought that the game next week was going to be huge, and it still is, but then we found out that Warwick beat Mannheim Township. Now all the players know how difficult is it going to be or what are you going to do to keep them focused now to know that, hey, you still can't lose this game despite Township losing. This is still a massive game if you want to win nine straight titles. Well, <laughs> what it boils down to is, you know, you've got a 61-game winning streak. Do you want to share a title with two other teams, or do you want to win a title outright? Uh, you know, Mannheim Township is going to come in angrier than a Hornet because if they don't, if they don't win, they're out. They're not going to make playoffs. You know, and they had a team that they thought could win a lot and, and do very well. So... Uh, you know, Warwick's going to be, everybody in the league is going to be cheering for Mannheim Township. So uh, we're used to that, I guess, but, uh, you know, we'll pump them up. If they're not ready for this one, they're not going to be ready for anything. All right, I think everyone's cold, so it's time to go home. So thanks for joining us, Coach, <laughs> and congratulations cold. on the win. It's not cold yet. <laughs> Coach Doms didn't think it was that cold that night. No, he was kind of making fun of everyone who was complaining about being cold. Specifically us, as we brought it up at the end of the interview, and he, he didn't wasn't having any of that. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I, I think it was more that I wasn't prepared for how cool it got. I, I was I was prepared. I was all right. <laughs> I was not. I just had my Bulldog Hour sweatshirt on, and by the end of the game, I was like, I should have brought a coat. <laughs> so so that's it for Lebanon. Again, 68-19, to 19, the Bulldogs get the victory. Got to talk to uh, four players and Coach Doms following the game, and not not too much else to say about that. Lebanon hasn't beaten the Bulldogs since 1998, of course. We've only played them twice since then, but we'll see them again next year. However, it'll be at Gursky. So put a bow on Week 7, move on to Week 8, and a huge one. The Bulldogs returning back to their own stadium for the first time in a few weeks. 
but it's probably, well, what was expected to be the biggest game of the year, probably in Lancaster, Lebanon, Section 1, and that was the Bulldogs showdown with the Blue Streaks at Mannheim Township. Now, following Wilson's victory over Lebanon came the word that Warwick, on a Hail Mary pass with 14 seconds left to play, stopped the Blue Streaks. Well, well, Warwick scored and beat the Blue Streaks to kind of take a little bit of the shine off of the matchup, the showdown against Wilson in Week 8. However, there was still a lot to play for. Wilson beats them. The probable set. I shouldn't say probable section champs, but you know it, it kind of set up the 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 race going into the last two weeks, right? Um, and uh, you know, so there's still plenty to play for for both teams. Yes, um, for sure. Because the loss to Warwick was Township's third. If they lose another game, they're out of the playoffs in six A. Right. It, it would they would need a lot of help, uh, including you know they have they must win their last two, and then they'd still probably need some help down there at the seven or eight spot. Also, if Manheim Township would deal Wilson a loss, there'd be a currently after week eight, a three-way tie for right. first in the section. And essentially the tiebreakers kind of go out. Right. Cause it's around Robin. Robin. Wilson right. beat Warwick who beat Manheim Township, who then theoretically would have beaten Wilson. So there was still a lot to play for, even though it wasn't uh, record wise as big a game as it looked like it could be at the beginning of the year. I don't know that anyone really expected either team or both teams to beat Central Dolphins. So it probably was expected that each team would have at least one loss, maybe only one loss. But Manantasia lost to Mifflin uh, and then fell to Warwick. Who, I don't know in the current standings, but it, you know, has climbed up to the number one team in 5A. Right. Um, So, um, who's only lost is to Wilson, I believe. Yep, a a pretty significant loss, but man, the Mustangs are rolling now. Yeah, they've kind of put it together. It'd be interesting to see what they do. In 5A, and I, I said this to my dad earlier this week after the Michael Parsons stuff broke and he, you know, moving to Harrisburg and eventually probably playing for the Cougars here in the coming weeks. Man, how crazy it would it be if Mifflin Harrisburg is the district championship in 5A? Yeah. It, it, I was like, I think I might have to go to that. That's Thanksgiving Friday night. Quick, we're getting a little sidetracked, but. Harrisburg lost this week, though. So yes. That's what their third loss. It is, yes, and, and I believe they, they have, still have to play Cumberland Valley. Yeah, they, they, they. I think they play Cumberland Valley week ten. I think um, because I think well, Central, Central Dolphin plays State, State College, College week ten. So uh, Chris Fowler, who announced the Penn State game, was on the sidelines yep. for Harrisburg. Saw uh, that State College game. Man. Interesting. So week eight at Wilson. Welcoming, welcoming Mannheim Township down. Again, last year we were supposed to be kind of the section championship as well, and Wilson really controlled that entire game. Hoping for the same thing this year. Didn't go like it did last year. However, doesn't make much of a difference because, well, the Bulldogs came out on top, and that's all we really care about. Yeah. It doesn't have to always be pretty. It's not always going to be pretty, as we've seen already once this year. We beat Warwick at Warwick. Wasn't the greatest game. Everyone knew it. You know, we didn't talk to the players and coaches because oh, yeah. they we a, knew it was a win that we didn't get interviews after. Right, it, it was it was a tough one. You need to know. However, this one, you know, at home, a big victory. It was expected to be a tough game. It was a tough game, but the Bulldogs, you know, they stared down the adversity, and it's actually come from behind. Win Wilson was losing at halftime, three to nothing. First time that they were losing at halftime in a league game since 2013, when they were down to Penn Manor, fourteen to seven. That was also at home. I 
I was going to ask you this the other night, um, but I was a little rushed, didn't have a chance. I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but do you know when was the last time Wilson was shut out at halftime? Shut out at halftime? I I, I wouldn't even be able to right, like, garner a Right, a which guess. makes me think like it's got to be a long time. A long time, I would um, think so. Um, I know I could look back all the way. I know there's some close, low-scoring games over the over. I say years. I don't. So I don't know that we're going back like decades, you know. But we might be. Yeah, you know, it's it possible. No I know that you could look it up, or I could look it up on uh, Max Preps has the games, and I believe the box scores for all the games dating back to at least '05, maybe even '04. So you could definitely look back over a decade past that. That would probably rely on Mike Drago and the Reading Eagle to come right. up with, because uh, it doesn't. Even the great Wilson football history book that the Tradition Club does with Coach Doms and the uh, staff and the great um, statistical info from the late Rich Romig, I, that doesn't even have box scores right, um, right. in it. So I, I didn't know, like, and I, and I knew, like, that's that's a really tough one, you know. <laughs> so, but yeah. I was just like, but less important than when was the last time it happened was that it happened Friday night. Right. Um, so that kind of tells you the way the game was kind of shaping up. Um, you know, Wilson was down three, nothing at half. Um, in some ways fortunate to be down only three, nothing at half. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Manheim township, uh, and I believe on their second possession, took the ball down to the like th- two or three yard line. I, yeah. I don't know exactly. Where, but, yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it, kind of one of those where, uh, you know, a guy hustles to make a play at the end and saves him at the two. And, you know, you may think, well, well, what's, what's it point? matter? Because they're going to have four downs here to punch it in from the two yard. Well, that's why you line. play the game. Well, the very next play, Wilson gets the ball back. Right. You know, On a fumble. That, that is why you play every play all the way out. Um, because that's one of those things we're looking back. You know, being down three nothing is one thing. Being, being down, down ten, 10 nothing, yeah, that's that's, that's a, a different story. Different, after two possessions, you know, they've got the ball rolling. You know, we didn't get things going in our favor. That that would have been an issue. And even though I don't, I don't. Well, obviously Wilson didn't score points off of that turnover, but they drove it out to midfield before they had to give the ball back and turned it back. And that that was a huge stop and a huge play in the first half. Let's take a look at some of the highlights here. We're going to bounce back and forth as uh, the highlight reel is not put together. So we're going to pick and choose here. Uh, first up is actually at the end of Manheim Township's first series. We're going to see here their kicker attempt a field goal. I believe it was about a 31-yarder, which he nails to put the Blue Shakes up 3 nothing. And as we mentioned, that's what the score would be at halftime. So anything we show you here now leading up to halftime is, uh, you know, just uh, a few random things that that would happen but didn't impact the score. Um, let's um, let's see if I can pull up. Following the field goal, Wilson struggled on offense, and it was actually a lot to do with the, the ball and, and the weather. The wetness yeah. really played an issue with um, snaps, handoffs, and attempted passes uh, for, the, for Wilson early. And they didn't get uh, they didn't get anything going on the first drive. And then you mentioned on Manheim Township's second drive, they got a, a huge run to set up, you know, what you thought was going to be a touchdown within the next few plays. But that didn't end up happening. But let's first take a look here at that run, and it would be done by Manheim Township quarterback uh, Luke Mg. 
Oh, good. That's this great production values here as the video is struggling to load. So we'll, we'll let it buffer a little bit, but we're going to see a huge 60 plus yard run. And I believe it's Brian Wright who chases him down and pushes him out at the three yard line in Wilson territory. And like you're mentioning, you know, some people think, well, you know, what does it matter? They're probably going to score on the next play. So why don't I save the time and effort and just regroup? Well, for exactly what happens on the next play is why you do that. So let's see here now. He evades defenders and a great hustle by Brian Wright. And, uh, you know, we got a couple of Bulldogs chasing him. Tommy O'Brien, Mason McElroy, Justin Weller. The entire secondary is trying to get the angle on him. Uh, but Brian Wright's able to use his speed to follow the township quarterback and force him out of bounds. Uh, it was a great heads of play way to hustle by Brian to, to get there for sure. Yeah. Let's see if we can finish this here. And right there is where he gets forced out. Yeah. So, you know, but at, at that point it's, it's still, um, it's, it's looking, uh, you know, a little sketchy. You start to wonder, all right, well, uh, but, what what's going to happen here? We they they scored the field goal after kind of moving the ball down the field, and then they were able to um, you know force us. I think we went three and out. Yep. And then uh, they get the ball back, and they one player down at inside the five with first and goal. So you're starting to to wonder, not like oh, are they going to score here? You know, um, you know, you, you kind of just assume that that might be the case. I say assume watching. You know, not not in any role actively in the game, but you start to think, all right, well, what are we going to have to do to bounce back from right. this one? You know, because um, we we might have just dug ourselves a ten nothing hole here. Um, but fortunately, that wasn't necessarily the mindset of of our players who uh, were able to come up with a big play. Right. Let's take a look at that big play now. And here's the play immediately after that big run by MG, the township quarterback. They're on the Bulldogs three, and Right at the snap, you see, I don't know if the center got pushed back, if it just wasn't a great snap, if it was a quarterback mistake, but we see him lose the ball. Wilson recovers, I believe, at the six and uh, would set up a drive for them. um, As the quarterback went down, it looked like the ball was between his legs, but he didn't necessarily know it yet um, as he's now on the ground. And... Um, I was uh, thinking, oh my gosh, he's, he's going to recover it, you know, and that's one of those heartbreaking things when there's a chance to get a big stop like that. But then I don't know that he realized it. And then as soon as he did, it was kind of like it was a too, pile. Too late. It, yeah. it was too late. And so um, the Wilson guys had already jumped in there and, and got the ball. Um, and like I said, they, that didn't lead to a score for Wilson. They weren't able to take it 95 yards. No, I mean. But they were able to reverse field position yes. back. And uh, that was – in a, in a game that ends up being a one possession game at the end, um, those, those chances where you can knock, keep points off the board and then reverse field position. That's, that's a huge win for the defense. In 11 plays, Wilson would go from their own six to the township 47. Now they were forced to punt, but like you said, they flipped field position and then the defense forced another three and out. So Wilson offense got the ball back, uh, and and moved down the field. They started at their own uh, 22, but then after um, a few a few plays, uh, 
Yeah, they got a couple first downs. They got out to their own 40, gain of 18 yards. They finally were forced to punt as well. But again, no real issues here as the defense forced another three and out. So Wilson gets the ball back and uh, goes on another pretty nice drive. Uh, you know, anytime you're running close to 10 plays each drive, you're hoping maybe you're going to get some points out of it. Um, you know, Wilson started this drive on their uh, own 28 and they got down to the township uh, six. And, and that's where. Um, you know, Wilson would set up for a game tying field goal at that point. Right. They they were on the six, and I think we we got a penalty. I think it was was it a illegal procedure, or illegal motion? Yeah, something something, something forced uh, the Wilson offense back to uh, the eleven yard line, and um, that's where uh, the Bulldogs would attempt uh, a game tying field goal. Because at this point, it's still three nothing. Now we're in the second quarter. Really, other than the first drive from Township, they didn't no. they didn't do that and, much. Right, and then the big play right. that, that got stopped by the fumble, it was really even after that. It was back and forth. Both teams would get the ball, move it a little bit, and then have to give up the ball. That, that's pretty much how it was going. Um, and the first half was going pretty quickly because – Township got the ball and they were driving. You yeah, know, they, they weren't. They they ate up a good like five six minutes on that first drive. Yeah. So the first quarter really was was moving along. Um, so Wilson here in the second quarter down three nothing, getting ready to attempt a uh twenty seven or so yard field goal, twenty eight yard field goal uh, by senior kicker Nick Burley. Let's take a look at that. It was tough to tell as he gets the kick away how far wide left he missed it, but it wasn't by much. Right. I mean, he had plenty of distance. Well, and was this the play where um, he had actually gone to kick it before? And they called the timeout. And it got blocked. Now, it was really hard to tell if their guy ran through yes, the line it after was. the whistle had been blown. Right, like, yeah. Did the guy stop blocking? he was so far through that I assumed he went when no one else really did. Right. Um, because he blocked it, I think, with his with his like chest. Um, it was right. one of those. He just kind of went through untouched. So that's one of those where the whistles are blowing. I don't think everyone was going full speed. Um, but, yeah, so it was a close kick. He got it up. Um, but, again, that's one of those where in this game you start to wonder, oh, man, you know, are things going to start to just not go our way? Right. Three nothing. You missed the field goal. How's this going to play out? And that's how the second quarter ended. That's how the first half came to yeah. a close was on that missed field goal. You know, so Wilson knows obviously they're in the game and they're only down three nothing. Losing at halftime, not something that happens often, as you mentioned and, and quizzed me on, which would be interesting to know when was the last time Wilson was shut out at halftime. But obviously, still in the game, like we mentioned, defense was really playing strong after that first series, and then that big play on the second series, they had given up nothing to Township. Yeah, and to be clear. It wasn't. It didn't have the same feel as the Warwick game. I mean, it had the close game feel, but it wasn't as though the offense couldn't do anything. Like, but like it, we like we said, the one point they got the ball at the six yard line and drove it to like Mannheim Township territory, but then had to give it up. You know, there were a couple of those where they got it at like the fifteen or the twenty and would drive, but the drive would stall. They'd get a few first downs, but they weren't putting together a ninety or an eighty yard drive. Like that's basically all it came down to. Um, it wasn't that they weren't moving the ball at all. 
Um, but again, it, it kind of, after that first score by Township, it, it kind of, the game was played almost like between the twenties a little bit. For, yeah, really, it really was. And until, um, you know, till the, uh, probably five minutes left in the fourth quarter or so, uh, which we'll get to in a bit now. Yeah, Cause the whole way, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, going into the second half, you know, Wilson's down three. They know they need to kind of get things going offensively, at least just a little bit. And the defense just needs to keep doing what they're doing. The whole township to three points in the first half is, is a win. You know, like the defense was, was doing what they needed to do. The offense just needed to finish some of those drives that they, that they got the ball moving. They just needed to kind of cap them off with scores. Right. So now Wilson received to open the second half. And they started to methodically move down the field. Now, a good return had Wilson starting at their own 43. They eventually actually got to the red zone on, I believe, the eighth play of the Bulldog drive. When then, uh, well, let's take a look and see what happened early in the third quarter on the Bulldogs drive. A design pass. Jurgen gets it out to Justin Weller. Makes a couple guys miss. And then gets popped. Perfect form tackle there by the township defender. Number five is, but man, he put his face mask on the ball and it just came out. Um, you know, it was, it was one of those things where we, we've seen, uh, Weller make that play, that move a lot where he's made the first one, two, three guys miss and off he goes to for a touchdown. Uh, you know, and you know, it's another play. They're getting down there. Um, you know, and he was engaged with one guy and the second guy comes in and like you said, perfectly, perfect form and just ball came out. Right. Um, so, so again, yet another one of those moments where you're like, Oh man, is this, yeah, just how, nothing. The ball wasn't just nothing right. was bouncing. You start, Wilson's to way. Wonder, you start to wonder, is this one of those games where we're just not going to get enough? You know, is it just not going to be enough to, to overcome these things? Following uh, the fumble, Wilson, Defense stood up again. They gave up. Uh, they gave up a, a first down, I, I believe. No, they just. They just. Yeah, no. They think, kept forcing them backwards. Right. I think it was they forced them. Uh, back. Some penalties it, it extended the drive. So Township started at their twenty. They ended up to their fifteen, to their eleven, to their seven, back up to the twelve on a Wilson penalty, but then back right. to the, their own so seven after just, they fall started again. Right. So they punted. And there was a running into the kicker. Right. But it was it was a really long distance, five yard penalty, no automatic first down. Right. So the, it was a bad punt too. The punt had gone out at like the ten or eleven yard line. Yeah, it, it went off like the side of the straight foot. up. Yeah. Well, not straight up. It went off to the side. side but yeah. yeah, covered no yards. And then, so they punt again, or they line up to punt again, and they have a and false, they false start. start. So, so essentially, nothing happened. And the, we get the ball and return it to. Pretty much the 11 the or 12 11. yard line. Yeah, 11. so yep. all of that happened over a course of three plays slash penalties and nothing really changed. Right, but uh, you know, unfortunately for Wilson, they weren't able to capitalize in a big way because right. they got the ball at the 11, they lost a yard on a run, then there was a quarterback sack. So they went from the 11 to the 17, then they rushed again and lost another two yards. So uh, all in all, they lost eight yards on in three plays. However, at the 19, you're still within field goal range or so you think. Uh, well, let's take a look at Nick Relly's second attempt of the evening against Mannheim Township. In slightly longer than, than the first attempt yes. that, that so just this missed. this was a 36-yarder. Nick Relly sets up Mason McElroy, the holder. Franz Borden snapping. 
Again, set up at the Manheim Township 19. Clean snap, good hold, nice kick, and he nailed it. It was a great kick. It had plenty of distance. It was perfectly accurate. So Nick Borelli gets that one through, and hey, game's tied 3-3. Right, so now you start thinking, man, all that stuff that is that didn't go our way, all those bounces that didn't go our way. Now it's tough to say that when we got that fumble inside the five. But, you know, there's been plenty of top opportunities here where you could start to think maybe today's just not our day. And we're closing in on the end of the quarter here, and it's 3-3. You know, uh, yeah. so um, it, it was just one of those moments where um, you, you start to think, well, maybe maybe they do have enough to pull this out. Unfortunately, Wilson kicked the ball off. It went out of bounds. <laughs> Township starts at their own 40, which is a great field position. The defense looked like they had held them. They An incomplete pass, a short rush to set up um, – a third and four, and then they were called for a penalty, which set up to make it third and 15 for the Blue Streak. So, yeah, like third and 15, third and long. Wilson's going to have tied the game. Defense played great, forced a three and out. Well, on third and 15, MG completed a 37-yard pass to move all the way down to the Wilson eight. It was a crazy catch down the sideline. I couldn't, I couldn't see how he made the catch with all the players on the sideline in the way. So they're at it the was, Wilson eight was a nice catch. and um, they, they got it down to the seven before losing a few yards and getting to um, the 11. They set up for a field goal on fourth down. So fourth and 11, just after Wilson had tied the game three to three township is right there to take the lead again. Again, just like Wilson, they didn't capitalize on the good position after that big third down pickup weren't able to get it into the end zone, but they're setting up to take the lead. And if this ever loads, we will show you what happened. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, technology, man, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. You love it. I do love it. So we already saw the township kicker kick one, nail one easily yeah, earlier no in the game. So this was essentially a chip shot. It was on the left hash. Yeah, it's going to be, what, 20, 29 yards? Uh yeah yeah it was uh, yeah it actually might have even been a little bit shorter yeah. I think they're on the eleven so twenty seven twenty eight yards depending on where they they set up um we've seen some interesting stuff happen when Wilson was both kicking themselves and also trying to stop a kick so far this year you know you think back to the Central Dolphin game and I think also against Lancaster Rakaski we talked about kicks for and against as well as kickoffs and some yeah. punts. So there's been some some interesting things happen, both good and bad for Wilson on special teams this year. And finally, the video is loaded. So let's take a look at Manheim Township's second field goal attempt in the third quarter of the game. This would put them up, if good, 6-3. to three. Everything's set up. Snap is good. Hold is good. And Wilson defenseman Isaiah Regal just absolutely pushed through the line and blocked the kick. Wilson ran after the ball. Let's take a look at that again. Um, right there is the block. If you're watching, you can see Isaiah Regal just absolutely just plowed right through, through right, right through the, the middle. middle and jumps up, blocks the kick. And a host of Bulldogs run after it here, uh, as does the holder. 
Now, we saw when Wilson's field goal was blocked against Central Dolphin, Mason McElroy picked it up and got a first down. Well, this kick went past midfield. Yeah. So they weren't getting a first down. It was just a matter of was Wilson going to be able to pick it up and, you know, and score on that play. They did not. Township recovered, but it doesn't matter. It's Wilson's ball. So, yeah, but it is a big change. I mean, that's 30 plus yards of that they gained. Oh, off absolutely. Of, off of the blocked kick. So, yep, um, for sure. Yeah, that was one of those that it was really, um, now you start to think maybe momentum is going to swing. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what you hope to see. Um, you know, you're closing in, you're starting to wonder how many more opportunities you're going to have. And, um, you know, Wilson, uh, you know, took a few plays. Um, you know, it's kind of hit or miss a little bit on, on some of the plays, but then, uh, it's set up, um, you know, set up what was their opportunity again, inside, uh, inside the five here. I think from the two yard line, um, they had a chance again, it's tied three, three at this point, have a chance to take the lead. And it took 10 plus plays to get to this point. Now, remember Wilson recovered in Manheim Township territory, but it took some time to move down the field. And if the video was working better, I'd show you this. They actually picked up a fourth and 17 on the drive. Uh, On fourth and 17, they got 22 yards. Uh, I believe it was Yurig to Brian Wright, if I'm remembering correctly. I thought it might be Twyford. Oh, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think it was to Alex Twyford. So they got 22 yards on fourth and 17. That set him up from the 32 to the 8. Now, they got some yards, got all the way down to the 2. And then, uh, well, let's take a look at ha- what happened on third and third and goal from the two. And we are now in the fourth quarter again. Like Justin said, it's three to three. Snap to Yurig, little toss to Iggy Reynoso. Oh, good. <laughs> you can see where this is going very slowly. And the video cut it off a little bit to the side, but. If you've seen any of the pictures from the game, you see Iggy extend his arms right out over the pylon. Perfect placement of the ball. And the ref was right there to signal the Wilson touchdown to give finally the Bulldogs the 10 to 3 lead, a lead that they've been searching for the entire game. So you're thinking, all right, defense has been playing really well. You know, uh, Borelli kicked the extra point 10 to 3. Unfortunately, once again, the kickoff went out of bounds and Township takes over at their 40. Now, they, they started moving the ball. <laughs> you know, you're, you're thinking Wilson's defense has been playing well all, so long all game and they just every so often, you know, a couple yards here, a couple yards there, and then a big play, 19 yards on a pass play. Then, you know, a couple rushes here and there. And then I'll, you're thinking, okay, you know, we'll stop them. That it's second and eleven. They're they're in our territory. They're at the thirty-one. You got to think it's time for a stop. You know, it's getting late in the game. I think there's probably what around six minutes, five minutes left to go at this point. Yeah, I think I'm just trying to think exactly how much. I don't remember exactly how much time is left. We're about midway, probably past the midway point of the fourth quarter at, at this point in time. Wilson's up 10 to three. Uh, you know, Township had already picked up third and four and third and three. So two for two on third down conversions on the drive. Uh, 
And we get to, I think it was their eighth play about of the drive in Wilson territory. And well, you're just going to see an athletic play by the township, uh, running back. It's a great job by the quarterback here to stay in too, because he gets, he gets hit. <laughs> it's just, it, it's tough to describe. Like you said, it's great by MG. He, he fakes a run, steps up, hits a quick slant to the running back who you think is not going to catch the ball. It's not right. great placement, but he makes an incredible right. one-handed tip to himself and well, then just goes and, to distance the distance up play, the middle. The play was so fast that you know everyone's kind of reacting to the run a little bit, I think, and then it just, you know, next thing you know, the ball's flying over the top. And Well, and you see the Wilson that, defender. Is that Saladay? Uh, yes, yeah. it was. Grayson Saladay is the one who gets the pass from MG. And you see the Wilson defender. It's uh, junior Trevor Tanga. He's in position. He's ready there to make the play. And he sees where the ball's thrown because, like you said, MG was getting hit. So the ball was high. Trevor's going in to make the interception. And all of a sudden, Saleh's hand just pops out. Out of nowhere. He deflects it to himself. Right. And he just he's one of their best players, if not their best player. And he just splits the rest of the defenders 31 yards for the touchdown. And now you're thinking, oh, man, we're less than, you know, just – Five minutes or so to go in the the fourth quarter, and now it's a tie game, ten to ten. After the extra point is good, so well, what's it going to be? It's t- gut check time. Wilson's going to try to obviously move down the field, hope to get some points, and uh, hopefully there's not much time left, if any, to give the township yeah. the ball back. Now we've seen Wilson offense inconsistent, playing a little bit better in the second half. They're just kind of shooting themselves in the foot with with fumbles or drive stalling and and unable to uh, convert on third or fourth down. So what are they going to do with about four and a half, five minutes to go? Well, they're going to go on a massively long, long drive that would go um, 15 plays or so and eat up almost all of the remaining clock. It's it's funny because the drive kind of got off to a start where it almost was over in two plays. Um you know, they had the long touchdown. I think there was like just about four and a half minutes left when this drive started. I believe you're correct. I think, I think back to these just because, um, we try and, uh, make sure we take note of the scoreboard after all the scores and at the end of the quarters. I think it was right around four and a half minutes. Um, and Wilson basically took a four minute, it might have been five minutes, but they took a four and a half minute, like 14 play drive, I think. Um, and it takes them all the way down. There's only about 30 seconds remaining, um, you know, leading up to the play we're about to show you. Tie game, 10-10, less than half a minute left in the game. You know, it, it's kind of crazy. I'm not sure what the timeout situation was. I think Wilson might have had one. I think one, and I think Township had two. Now, Wilson started the drive at their own 33 after the kickoff. Got a, uh, a few yards here and there. Picked up a couple first downs. The big play came on third and 12 at their own 31. After taking a few loss, they picked up a 20-yard gain through the air. Then a couple plays later, an 11-yard gain on back-to-back plays. And this got him down to the Township 25. Um, and then four, five plays later, we find that they're third and one from the Township 2-yard line. And let's take a look at what happened. Shotgun formation, Nick Johnson with the lead, Urig dives in, and the sideline celebrates as Wilson takes the late lead 
The extra point was good. 17 to 10, I believe with about 28 seconds to play. Yeah. Now, the one thing that I'm not sure is listed here in the video, I, I, I can't see it, but I want to point out that a 62 yard touchdown from Jurg to Weller was called back on a penalty. Yeah. I'm still not quite sure. <laughs> Uh, what the penalty I, yeah, I, was? I heard I mean, it was it blocking. Was, the right, back. they called blocking the and back it was way downfield though, because I think it was like second and six leading up to that play, like on that play, and then I think it was um called back. I'm just I'm just trying to think here. I think when we ha- got the ball back after that, I think it was second and eight. So that you know it wasn't um you know the pass was out in the flat. Like it wasn't real. It wasn't a deep uh, downfield pass. Um, yeah. It was almost so. like a wide receiver screen. Right. So I think I, th- I found yeah, it. I think, I think we, did, we can yeah. pull it up and show you the play and maybe we can see the, the, the penalty. Yeah. I couldn't from where I was at. I didn't even it realize there was a right flag on the field. The 45 yard line should be 40, where? 45 in that area. Yeah. See, the thing was, you know, if they were going to call holding, okay, I could see how that be blocking the back. I just, I don't understand it. So let's take a look at it. This is the first time that Justin and I are seeing this following um, it happening live in front of us. So let's see if we can find the penalty. Like you said, it was called block in the back. So let's take a look uh, on this huge um, Jurg DeWeller touchdown pass that uh, was not meant to be. You can see at the top of your screen. I didn't see anything. Yeah. I'm going to have to run that back because... If they called it on foot, I don't see how they could have called it on foot. I watched Fode's block at the top. He's at the top of the screen, the top bulldog. He runs right up, takes the blocker on, face up. No block in the back there. No. I mean, maybe maybe they said block in the back and it meant hold if his arms are outside. It's hard to tell from the video. Right. Like, I don't know. Because I, I don't even see. That like, has to be where who it was on. Uh, yeah, where like, there was no one else in the so area. Maybe it could have been a hold, and they announced blocking the. I I don't know. I didn't hear them announce blocking the back. That's just what I heard. Right, right. So that's what I just. Um, I'm gonna look at it one more time. So maybe he got him and was and right. So if they, they that's what I said. If they called there, holding, you can tell it looks like Foddy's hands are on the outside of his arms. There, maybe. Do you I don't even know. see the ref? Where is the ref? Right the, here. Yeah, the flag comes from down here. I think. Oh really? Yeah. It's not that guy at the top there. I don't think so. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. You saw it? Yep, and he threw it out right there because if you watch it, he throws it out and it goes right on the line. It looks like a beanbag, but it's a flag, and it lands on the line. Okay. You see it? I did see it there, yeah. So So my guess is that he got what looked like Fode was turning him. That's what they called. I'm assuming. I don't know that that's what the call was, but I don't know what else that guy would have called. Right. So if if they called and announced holding, I could – I didn't see it, you know, get the grainy video far away. Right, right. You you can't really tell. But if holding makes a lot more sense than blocking the back because there was no block in the back no, on that no, play. Yeah. And now a play that far down the field, the odds of blocking the back happening, sure. But at that location, right, not yeah. going to happen. And that's one of those where that was the second – I think that was the second play. You're you right. Know? It was. And then they go on. So you start to think, oh, man. You know, that's it was the second and five from the 38. And the next thing you know, they go – 12 more plays or maybe 13. I don't know how you count them for the drive, but they go 12 or 13 more plays for the score and to take the lead 17, 10. So, you know, a township has the playmakers. They've already scored on a couple or they've already had a couple big plays. 
Um, so you know they have the, the ability to get some yards and chunks. Time's going to definitely be an issue for them. Um, here we go. We'll see how it ends. So Township got the ball back. They started at their 39. They threw two quick incompletions, and all of a sudden it was third and 10. Almost both of, both of them were almost picked off. Too. Correct. So it's third and 10 from their own 39. There's about... 10 to 15 seconds left. Yeah. So, you know, enough for two, maybe three plays, depending on how quickly they go. Um, on third and 10, Wilson gets a sack. They Township loses two yards. So it's fourth and 12. You know, this is the last play of the game. Right. Because either it's a turnover on downs or whatever, and Wilson has the ball and game's over. Or, like, there wasn't enough time. I think there was five seconds left. Right, yeah. So you knew. This is it. This is the game right here. And uh, we'll take a look at it. Obviously, Township's got five wides. Ball goes to MG almost immediately. Quick pass. They set up a hook and lateral that we saw Wilson run, I want to say, in either 2010 or, or 2011, um, right before halftime uh, in one of Wilson's games about five or six years ago. Um, Wilson scored on that exact play. Yeah. Quick slant over the middle. Another, the other slant guy from the other side is coming across. The receiver tosses it to him. And, uh, I believe it was, uh, Sheldon Hannibal Nixon who took it to the house. So, you know, five, six years ago, I believe. Yeah. Um, might have even been before that. Might have been 09. Um, but I remember w- watching that happen. I was just, wow, that was impressive. Yeah. They tried the same thing. Wilson was all over it. Um, and you're going to hear in our post-game interviews talk about that last play because yeah. it was tough to tell there, but everyone was screaming at it, uh, linebacker Leo Quigley to get down because during the exchange, there was a fumble, and yeah. he picked up the ball, and instead of going down to end the game, he continued to try to push it's, the ball upfield. It's funny because watching it in the replay and seeing it in some of the highlights, like he didn't really have it that long. Like it, but it felt live, a lot longer. It felt, like he had, it felt like he was running for 10 seconds. In reality, it was probably like one, one and a half seconds. Right. Um, but it just had that kind of feel to it. Um, but anyway, it was, it was an amazing, uh, game, uh, close game, um, that Wilson was able to come out on top. So Wilson wins 17 to 10. They keep their winning streak alive. They're in the driver's seat now for the section championship, having to play teams that already have losses in front of them. The only team that could catch them at this point, um, is Warwick. Uh, but you know, they already have the loss because Wilson beat them. So Wilson wins their next two games. They're once again undefeated, ninth straight time. But we're not going to get ahead of ourselves. Talk about the team stats against Manheim Township. Wilson, 21st downs. Township, just nine. Rushing yards, Wilson, 128. Township, 87. Passing yards, Wilson, 164. Township, 141. So Wilson, 292 total yards compared to the Blue Streaks, 228. And the Bulldogs actually had the ball longer with 26.04 to 21.56. Yeah, it looks like they were almost even going into the last drive when Wilson was able to add, you know, four plus minutes to that. Third downs, not awful for either team. Wilson, uh, just above, um, 50% at seven of 13. Township at 50%, six of 12. Uh, more importantly for the Bulldogs, two of two. And I mentioned that huge fourth and 17, uh, pickup that led to, uh, the first touchdown to put Wilson up 10 to three, uh, Township, the final play of the game was a fourth down. They were 0 of 1 there. Neither team 
perfect in the red zone. And actually, both teams failed to score on two of their possessions uh, in territory that you like to get points out of. Wilson was three of five, whereas Township was one of three. One of those big ones being that fumble we saw that after that huge run on Township's second drive. Yeah, both of Township's fail score failed times to score came when they had. Um, no, sorry, I shouldn't say that. Two of their possessions, they had first and goal inside the five, and they came away with three points out of those two possessions. You know, one possession game that you can look back. There's lots that go goes into it, I know, but that that's a key kind of takeaway from from those stats. Our player of the week from the previous game against Ludden, Iggy Reynoso, against Township, he rushed 17 times for 64 yards, and he had that one touchdown, a nice um, reach over the pylon. He also had a key reception for 10 yards on, I believe, the final drive of the game. Uh, quarterback Connor Yurig was 21 of 54 for one touchdown, and he also, what that was, uh, sorry, 21 for 54 rushing, for a touchdown and then passing, he was 17 of 22 for 164 yards. I was like, no way did Wilson have 54 passes. Now, 21 rushes for 54 yards in the touchdown, 17 of 22 passing for 164 yards. Uh, unfortunately for the Bulldogs on the go ahead touchdown with, you know, less than 30 seconds remaining, uh, Connor Yurig was injured on the play. Uh, it was, it was a knee this time, not the foot, which had been bothering him before. Um, from what we're hearing, uh, probably a week-to-week diagnosis for him. Uh, re- leading receiver, Alex Twyford, 5 for 51, including that big fourth down conversion. Uh, Justin Weller also had six catches for 37 yards, and he had the 62-yard touchdown called back. Leading the way defensively was Leo Quigley. He had six tackles. Uh, one of those was half for a loss, and he had the fumble recovery to seal the game. Now, the player of the game was interesting this week. There wasn't anyone that really stood out that much on the stat sheet or even watching the game, it really was a full team effort. They got a lot of contributions on defense from a variety of guys. Offensively, you had people step up. Now, uh, Abdul McFoy was injured and didn't play, so Reynoso, along with Tommy O'Brien, got the rock this week. He did have a touchdown, so obviously he was consideration. Same thing with Jurg again, you know, scoring the go-ahead touchdown, uh, playing so well, no turnovers, uh, you know, no interceptions. But... We thought a little bit unconventional, maybe, and give love to some guys that don't always get it, and that is the lineman. Uh, specifically, you know, we heard from him last week after the win over Lebanon for his offensive performance in opening up rushing lanes for Iggy, but this time the player of the game for the Mannheim Township victory is going to go to to Isaiah Regal for his defensive prowess, most specifically the blocked field goal that led to um, the Bulldogs holding on to the tie game and eventually moving to take the lead, the 10-3 lead that would come. So our player of the game for Mannheim Township is senior offensive tackle defensive end Isaiah Regal. Um, he helped pave the way for the offense to earn 20 first downs at almost 300 total yards and, like I mentioned, blocked the key Blue Streaks field goal attempt near the end of the third quarter. So... You know, not not someone that gets a lot of recognition playing in the trenches, but easily one of the most important uh, positions playing line. Um, not biased at all by any means. Yeah. Uh, but Isaiah Regal gets the nod, and a lot of that has to do with his uh, monster play to block the township field goal near the end of the third quarter. 
Let's take a look at a couple of the pictures from the game. Now, it was a busy night at Gursky. First off, it was pink out uh, for breast cancer awareness and to support those uh, fighting cancer. It was also band night to honor the marching band and their seniors. And the Wilson Football Tradition Club also welcomed back the 1981 championship team. It's one of the most prolific teams in Wilson history. They played in an era that didn't have playoffs. So there was always a lot of talk about, you know, how far would some of these Wilson teams have gone if the district and then state playoffs existed. The 81 squad was 11 and 0, didn't allow a single rushing touchdown the entire season. They held opponents to an average of four and a half points a game in an era that was almost all rushing. They gave up less than 600 total rushing yards in 11 games. And a few of the members came back as part of the tradition club honoring them. Among them was three of the four captains, uh, so it was, it was nice to have them back and to celebrate with them before the game and at halftime as well. And with the victory over Manheim Township, Wilson's Lancaster-Lebanon League Section 1 consecutive victory streak reaches an insane 62 in a row. Remember, Manheim Township was the last team to beat Wilson way back on October 26, 2007 by a score of 26-7 in Neffsville. On a night kind of like what we had Friday night, it was very rainy and wet. Fortunately, now most teams playing on turf, the field doesn't have as big of an impact. But we saw the, the wet football causing some issues earlier. Luckily, that didn't come back to haunt really either team after the uh, the first quarter or so. Yeah, they seem to adjust to the conditions uh, pretty well. So joining us after the game against Mannheim Township, we grabbed senior running back and safety Tommy O'Brien. And he spoke with us about the game against Township and what to expect the rest of the season. Okay, we're post-game here after Wilson's thrilling 17-10 victory over the Mannheim Township Blue Streaks. Joining us this evening is senior running back and safety Tommy O'Brien. Tommy, what were you thinking on that last drive, those last 20-some seconds when Township got the ball back? What was going through your mind? Yeah, for sure, definitely to get a stop, first of all. Uh, you know, it was a defensive battle the whole time, so we know defense is going to be the turning point in the game. So we, we just wanted to keep everything in front of us, not let anything get behind us. You know, they had a lot of playmakers out there. We just wanted to contain them. The last play of the game actually ended up being, you know, they're trying a little hook and ladder, a little special play, anything to uh, get that one last ditch chance to get in the end zone. And there's a fumble that was picked up by Leo Quigley. Um, what was your thought as soon as he picked up the ball? What did you uh, want him to do? My thought was I thought he was going to go down. <laughs> and then my second thought was I better go tackle him or something. Because like, we were just telling him to get down, and then we all started running, like trying to like push him down. So it, it was, it'll be funny in the film session, but not funny at the time. <laughs> we all just wanted to get out of there with a win. So. Now, entering the week, um, I, we heard, uh, you know, in the first half and at halftime, they threw a little bit of different looks at you um, that you weren't quite prepared for, hadn't seen yet this yeah. year. Um, what are adjustment likes in-game and at halftime? How quickly are you able to react to what they're throwing at you? Yeah, you know, Coach Walber makes great game plans, and sometimes they come out in things I've never seen. I do my best to make sure everyone's covered at, on the field, but we can't always you know, do that. So at halftime, he makes real good adjustments, you know, like different blitzes and what to do in different formations that they've come out in that we haven't seen before. So then we hopefully adjust that at, at halftime. I'm trying to think right here on the spot, but I can't recall, were you on the field for Justin Weller's touchdown that was called back? Uh, I was not. You were on the yeah, sideline. Yeah, what, what was your reaction? Did well, you I, see the flag? I, I saw it right away. Like, I it. usually 
I usually do see it right away. Everyone else doesn't see the flags, but I'm just standing there like you knew it. Uh, like, and then they they're gonna be tired coming back. Like I was like, come on. Well, it's something that easily could have deflated the team, but they reacted really, really yeah. strongly. Yeah, for sure. I was, you know, I wasn't on the field on offense a lot, but whenever they came on the sideline, I was definitely, you know, getting them up, saying that they, we need them. You know, we need the offensive, even the defensive games, real important. So. Uh, you know, your second second tough LL game this year was a, a tough uh, one against Warwick. We actually saw they give you the ball in, in prime time against Warwick um, when they, we were trying to ice the game. Um, is that something that you look forward to getting the ball when you know when you're on the line, whether it's you're from your secondary position, your safety position, or when we're on offense at running back? Do you like being on the field when it, when it's the game is on the line? I think I think because I don't get the ball as much, like I I really appreciate when I do, so I try to make the most of it. I mean, I love watching you know Iggy at running back. I'm always congratulating him. You know, he's a great great runner. You know, we have Abdul who's hurt right now, and you know at safety, pretty much haven't got an interception or anything yet, so. Uh, don't really know about that, but that would, that would be pretty cool. Stats don't always show all the pictures. So um, let's see. Last question here. You know, you're now sitting at seven-one. Two games to go. Last two LL opponents. You get Humfield here at home on senior night, and then you get to go on the road to Conestoga Valley. Uh, you're, you're obviously now the favorites to win your ninth straight undefeated league title. You know, what do you do as one of the team leaders this these next two weeks to keep the guys up and ready to go to know that you're playing for something big? Yeah, just making sure we're taking it week by week. You know, like the, I know there's a lot of other stuff going on around the district that you can get caught up in looking at seeds, but we don't. We're gonna try not to worry about that, not look past you know Hempfield and then Conestoga Valley, but we just want to take it one game at a time and keep everyone focused. All right, any anything to say to anyone out there, team, family, friends? Uh, thank you everyone for coming out. It's really fun when you come out and get loud. So we'll keep trying to win for you guys. All right, we'll see you next Friday night for Senior Night. Sounds good. Thank we thank Tommy for joining us following the victory over Mannheim Township. Not to be outdone, we went and grabbed another coach this week. It wasn't Coach Doms, but we did grab defensive coordinator Ernie Wolber. Not only did we want to talk about him, about the the victory over the Blue Streaks, but also he was a member of that 1981 championship team. So we thought it fitting to talk about him, talk to him about his time on that team, as well as the ongoings of the 2016 squad. So let's take a listen to what Coach Walber had to say after the victory over the Blue Streaks. All right, welcome back to post game with the Bulldog Hour. Our last interview of the night is with Wilson defensive coordinator Ernie Wolber. Now, Coach, uh, another nail-biter here, uh, second LL team to uh, push the Bulldogs to the limit, but once again, team came out on top. Uh, what do you have to say uh, after a thrilling game against the Blue Streaks? Um, the kids played really hard tonight. Uh, they came out with some things that we haven't seen them do before. Um, their first drive caused some problems for us, but... Once we got the personnel matched up and we calmed the kids down a little bit, I mean, they played really well after that. They had a one long pass for touchdown. Um, and then he had that one long run down. We got a fumble after that. But once we calmed down, we played a pretty solid game, and the kids played with a lot of effort, which I'm really proud of them for that. What is your reaction being up in the box, seeing a long Wilson touchdown get called back by a penalty? Did you see it right away? Because down on the field, a lot of us didn't notice it. No, I didn't. I, well, it was laying on the yellow line out in the middle of the field okay. from up for our point of view, so we didn't see it. Um, we scored, and like I saw the end of the run, but I'm immediately thinking, what are we doing defensively? What 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 are we going to go into? What are they going to do? Run the ball, throw the ball? How are we going to play defensively? And all of a sudden, somebody said flag, and I'm like, what? And 
and it, it happened, and so we just kind of got regrouped. Okay, we got the ball back and made things happen. But no, it was, I didn't see the whole run, but I was in my head thinking, what are we doing defensively? Because they still had two and a half minutes to go or something at that point. So thinking, what are we going to do defensively? Now, you spoke about the first drive and how you had to make adjustments. What was it that Township was throwing at you that they hadn't shown this year? Um, what, what they do is um, they run a lot of formations. Uh, but normally what they do is they run like formations in series. They'll run four or five plays in something and change. And then four or five plays and something else and change. And at the meeting last week, I said the worst case scenario for us would then be changing formation every play. And that's what they did on the first two drives. And our kids weren't ready for that, and that's my fault, and I take full responsibility for that. So we had to kind of calm down, okay, so we'd have personnel groupings on the sideline. Like we had Coach Benner who sent signals of play, and we had eight guys standing next to him. We didn't know what defense we were going to be in. So they changed every play, and that kind of caught us off guard, and we didn't adjust real well to it right away. Now, you two league games left, two games left in the regular season. You're in the driver's seat now officially in the uh, Section 1 race for the, your ninth straight undefeated league title. Have Hempfield here, senior night next week, then go to Conestoga Valley. Uh, which of those two teams, at least for, from your aspect defensively, so their offense will cause the bigger problems or, or is more dangerous on, on the field? Uh, you know me, I'm worried about Hempfield. Right. Um, and that's my number one concern right now. I mean, usually I watch film a little bit ahead, but I didn't this week because of playing such a big game. I want to keep my focus here. Um, but Hempfield has their own, does their own thing. They're playing two quarterbacks. Um, the ones are real big. Junior, I believe he is. He plays some wide out too. He's like a 6'4", 6'5 kid. Um, then they're putting running another kid in quarterback with a much smaller, faster kid. So they're doing some different things that are difficult for us. Um, and all we know from CV is, I mean, obviously they have a great quarterback as a three-year starter, or four-year starter, whatever he is. Um, they have a couple of really nice skilled kids. So right now our focus on Hempfield, um, one game at a time, as we always do, Joe, you know that. We always prepare for the team in front of us, which is Hempfield. So I'll have fun tonight and celebrate this win. And 6.30 tomorrow morning, I'll be working on Hempfield. <laughs> all right, then last question. A little, little bit uh, not associated so much with the team here on the field tonight, but actually uh, your senior class was being honored here during the game uh, beforehand. It's the 35th anniversary of the fall 1981 championship team, 11-0, and one of uh, on, on a long list of the best teams in Wilson history. I know I heard a lot of the guys talking in the tent beforehand that they wish there were playoffs back then because it would have been nice to see a team like yours uh, take on the best in the state. Absolutely. Uh, what is your one uh, big memory from that, that 1981 season? Like, What's um, the big takeaway from that year? We took the field with such a confidence defensively. I mean, we returned, I think, eight starters on defense. So we went out in the field with just a chip on our shoulders saying nobody can do anything to us. And, uh, and our offense took a while to get going. You know, made some changes offensively, and um, once the offense started picking it up, um, it was just so much fun. I mean, my fondest memory of something we're very proud of is a record that can never be broken in Wilson football history. <laughs> we didn't leave one rushing touchdown allowed that year, and that's when everybody ran the ball all the time. Yes. Not one rushing touchdown, and that's something I always tell these kids, you never beat my record, or our record, not my record. But no, it was a, it was a great group of guys. I'm still friends with a lot of those guys and see them from time to time. It's great seeing them. And, uh, I'm, I'm really proud of those guys, and I'm glad enough guys showed up tonight. And I wish more would have came, but obviously they're busy. Yeah. But no, it, I have a great Well, the weather didn't help either at the, before the game. Exactly. Like, I mean, you know, working with Coach Doms now, you know, he was my, probably my favorite coach I ever had here. And uh, working with him now is just a great honor, and it's just it's it's neat to be recognized like that. All right, well, thanks for your time, Coach, and good luck the rest of the year. Thank you very much. Take care, guys. Thanks once again to Tommy O'Brien and defensive coordinator Ernie Wolver for joining us post-game against the Blue Streaks. 
and we'll wrap up the week eight game against Manheim Township and the first eight weeks of the season and look ahead now to week nine and week 10 versus Hempfield and Conestoga Valley. The Bulldogs will welcome the Black Knights to Gursky Stadium Friday, October 28th, and then we'll travel to Conestoga Valley to wrap up the 2016 season on November 4th. Now, Hempfield coming in at three and five. However, they lost the first four games of the season and uh, have really rebounded, winning three of their next four, including wins over Penn Manor, J.P. McCaskey, and most recently, Conestoga Valley. So they're not one to be taken lightly. They're improving and getting better. But this is one everyone expects Wilson to, to defeat and move to their winning streak to 63 consecutive in the league. Yeah, like you said, um, you know, the expectation is there, but I, I'm certain that Hemfield, you know, <laughs> is planning to try and, uh, you know, send that those, set those plans aside. Um, you know, they, they probably feel like one got away from them last year. Um, oh, absolutely. At, at Hemfield when it looked like the streak was, uh, in the words of Jeff Reiner, the streak was, was probably over. Yeah, um, in and, jeopardy. And, uh, but then he, um, you know, as everyone saw there, uh, you know, Wilson, you know, made enough plays and I think Fode ended that one on a sack. He did. Um, and then, uh, but like you said, Hemfield, rough start, but, you know, second half of the season, I think they're three and one in the second half of the season so far. Um, so they cannot take them lightly. Uh, they'll, they're improving and, uh, they're, they're going to come into to West Lawn ready, uh, to try and, try and stop that streak that they, almost stopped last year this will be the 34th all-time meeting between the schools wilson holds the edge 23 to 10 uh, the last meeting last year was a wilson victory uh, 17 to 7 on october 9th and like justin mentioned it was hotly contested it was extremely close coming down to the final minutes uh, until the bulldogs were able to pull away and extend their record victory streak i actually think this was the one that did this tie or did this break the record that had been held by, uh, was it Manheim Central? I think it, I think I felt it, like it tied it because did it didn't Township the next week. Didn't, weren't these switched last year? Yeah, they were back to back, but the other way, right. I, I, for I some reason Hemfield I was thinking, tied it. I see, I was thinking it was the other way. I was oh, thinking Hempfield on. broke it. I can't remember. And we even covered it on the show last year, but I, I can't recall. But, you know, it was one of the important ones of the street. It either tied Mannheim Central streak or it broke Mannheim Central streak, uh, the victory over Hempfield last season. Now, the last Hempfield win, even farther back than the Mannheim Township one in 2007, all the way back to October 21st, 2005, they beat the Bulldogs at Hempfield 56 to 28. So after Wilson hosts Hempfield, they will travel to Conestoga Valley in week 10 to wrap up the 2016 regular season. Conestoga Valley is currently four and four overall, two and three in league play. They started the season three and one with wins over Ephrata, Solanco, and McCaskey. They own, their only loss was to Lampeter Strasburg. However, since then, they've dropped three out of four to Manheim Township, their only victory being over Lebanon, and then to Penn Manor, bit of a surprise, and then to Hempfield that this just this past week, 16 to 8. They will host Warwick in week nine. And the way the Warriors are playing, it doesn't bode well for Conestoga Valley to get any momentum entering the Wilson game. You would think it's likely that Conestoga Valley will be four and five when the Bulldogs come to town. Yeah, so um, again, 
you want to look, um, I think, uh, CV has, um, a quarterback that's been starting for a few yeah, Grant years. Yeah, Grant So, um, they, you know, they've got some talent and some ability to score. It's kind of been hit or miss, you know, if you look at some of the scores from some of their games. Uh, but when, when things are working right for their offense, they can put up a bunch of points. For sure. So, you know, they have Hemfield this week, uh, which is definitely an improving. They have team Warwick and, this week. No, sorry. Wilson. Wilson oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hemfield this I week. You. And then we have CV the following week. Uh, CV again, you know, that last week of the season, you know, for a lot of those guys, uh, that's going to be their last football game, you know, so, um, for CV that is, so they need yeah, to, I'm sure, sure it'll be their senior night. Right, you're going to get everything they've got. They're going to throw it all yeah, at you. So. Everyone's going to give you their best shot yeah. when you're on this winning streak and you have the tradition that Wilson does. Uh, so Hemphill is dangerous at home, but then the last week of the season at Constable Valley, a team that can put up points. It's like you said, a lot of those players last game. Yeah. Uh, so emotions are going to be high. We'll both, have to weather the both storm these teams there. Are playing, I think, are out of the playoff hunt in districts. Yes. So you know what would make their season is to end the Wilson streak. Yes. You know, that that's that's what they want to put the bow in their season is to end this streak and to beat Wilson. This is only the 11th all-time meeting between the Bulldogs and the Buckskins. Wilson leads it 8-2. to The last meeting was just last year. It was a Wilson victory, 38-7 to on October 16th at Gursky. Now, you got to go back a pretty long way for the last Conestoga Valley victory. Uh, now, to be honest, Wilson only started playing them again in 2014. Uh, so prior to that, uh, they had only met eight times, and it was back when Conestoga Valley was originally in Section 1, um, back in the 70s and very uh, early 80s, I believe. The last time the Buckskins beat the Bulldogs, it was at Conestoga Valley the night before Halloween in 1976. They beat Wilson 12-7. to So it, it's been, uh, well, 40 years since the last yeah. CV win over Wilson. Uh, so... Weeks 9, weeks 10 to look forward to, and we'll be back again in two weeks to recap those and look forward to what's going to be happening in the District 3 6A playoffs. So before we sign off here for the sixth episode of the Bulldog Hour second season, a couple of things to note. Uh, some milestones coming up. Um, the win over Mannheim Township moved offensive line coach Rubaker onto fourth place on Wilson's all-time list of assistant coach victories. He's up to 205, and he t- jumped just ahead of uh, former assistant coach Bill Hawes. The next Bulldogs victory, uh, possibly coming up in week nine versus Hempfield, will give defensive coordinator Ernie Wolver 175 as an assistant. It will also be Coach Doms' 125th overall victory as head coach, and it will be his 100th regular season win as head coach. He also has uh, 264 as an assistant. So as you can see, for those math experts out there, Coach Doms is closing in on 400 overall victories as a coach at Wilson. Uh, should happen sometime during the 2017 season. That's crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> all right. So continue to uh, follow us on all our social media sites like Wilson Bulldogs and the Bulldog Hour fan pages on Facebook. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Wilson Bulldogs and at Bulldog Hour. Remember, we give live game updates and photos and also live video interviews post game. Uh, you know, if Wilson has a, a good game, especially if they come out on top. Make sure you follow us. We're also on Instagram as well. You can follow other accounts at JMNJR underscore radio on Twitter at Mr. Underscore Raffoff and at Coach Joe Mays. Thank you to our sponsors again, Mays Sandwich Shop, as well as an anonymous supporters and to Andy Herr. 
And if you're interested in supporting the show, head to bulldoghour.com. We're always accepting in-kind donations, and there's also sponsorships available as well. Anything to add from you, Justin? No, just uh, two weeks left in the regular season. Um, be ready to play. You know, talking to the guys, you heard it in the interviews. They all have the mentality of take it one game at a time, and uh, that's that's what they need to do, kind of finish out this season. Absolutely. We'll be back in two weeks for Episode 7. Until then, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Bulldog Hour. For Justin Raffoff and the Wilson Football Program, I'm Joe Mays. And remember, go Bulldogs. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hours, a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.